0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com canadax. Every dollar you give helps keep the podcast going, and we have multiple tiers for you to choose from. Every Canadian kid knows her name, and everyone who loves chocolate also knows her name. She is Laura Secord, and an act of bravery on her part would change the course of the War of 1812, change Canada, and set in motion a great deal of events that would lead to the Canada of today. I will get to what she did that helped her name live on for years, but first we'll look at her life. I'll also be speaking with Carl Benn of Ryerson University who has written several books on the War of 1812. Born on September 13, 1775 in Great Barrington to Thomas and Elizabeth Ingersoll, Secord would be joined by three sisters in 1779, 1781, and 1783 until her mother sadly passed away in 1784. Her father would marry Mercy Smith in 1785, who would die from tuberculosis in 1789. Her father had also served with American Revolutionaries during the American Revolutionary War and rose through the ranks, eventually becoming the magistrate for the area. Following the death of Mercy, Thomas again remarried, this time in 1789 to Sarah Bacchus. The couple would have an additional four girls and three boys. When Shays' Rebellion erupted in the area in 1789, he would help to suppress it and rose to the rank of Major. Things began to change though when he saw the continued persecution of loyalists in the area, and he realized that with the economic conditions after the Revolutionary War and his own debts, it was unlikely his family would see the prosperity it once had. In 1793, Thomas met Joseph Brandt, a Mohawk leader who offered to show him land in Upper Canada. He petitioned John Simcoe, the governor of Upper Canada, for a land grant and received 66,000 acres in the Thames Valley. He would found Oxford on the Thames on that land, which would eventually become Ingersoll, Ontario. The family moved to the new land in 1795. The family would eventually move to Credit River, near present day Toronto, where he would run an inn successfully until 1812 when he passed away. His wife would then run the inn until her own death. As for Laura, she would marry James Secord in 1797. The couple would live in a house they had built at St. David's where the first floor was a shop. Secord would give birth to her first child, Mary, in 1799, followed by Charlotte in 1801, Harriet in 1803, Charles in 1809, and Apollonia in 1810. When the War of 1812 began, James Secord served in the first Lincoln militia under the great Isaac Brock. He would be one of the men to carry the body of Brock off the battlefield after the General was killed at the Battle of Queenston Heights in October of 1812. In that battle, James was also injured in the shoulder. When Laura heard of his injury, she rushed to be with him. As she arrived, legend has it that she found three American soldiers about to beat him to death with their gunstocks. She begged them to save her husband and she offered her own life in return. American Captain John E. Wool came upon the situation and reprimanded the soldiers. Whether this story happened or not is not known, but it shows her bravery, or at least a small glimpse of it. Her husband's injury was not an embellishment though, and she would spend the next several months nursing him back to health. On May 27, 1813, the American Army launched an attack and captured Fort George, allowing the Americans to capture the Niagara and Queenston area. Men of military age were taken prisoner, but James Secord was not among them. In the next month, several U.S. soldiers would billet at the home of Secord, which would lead us to the legendary walk. On June 21, 1813, when Laura Secord was in her home as the American soldiers stayed there, she would hear of the American plan to attack the troops of Lieutenant James Fitzgibbon at Beaver Dams. This attack, if successful, would give the Americans control of the Niagara Peninsula. The next morning... As her husband was still recovering, Secor began to walk to warn Lt. Fitzgibbon. She would walk 32 kilometers from Queenston to St. David's. Along the way she would come across a camp of Mohawk warriors who led her the rest of the way to the headquarters of Fitzgibbon. With her warning the small British force and the Mohawk warriors readied for an attack. When the Americans did attack on June 24th at the Battle of Beaver Dams, they would be defeated and many would be taken prisoner. Secord was not mentioned in any reports following the battle, despite her critical information, but it should be noted that Fitzgibbon may have purposely left her name out of the reports to protect her family, as he had no issues telling others about her contributions after the war. In the battle, 600 soldiers with the United States faced 400 Mohawks and 50 British troops. The battle would see 15 Mohawks killed and 20 British killed while the Americans lost 25 men, had 50 wounded, and 462 captured. The failure of the attack would cause the troops at Fort George to become demoralized, and they would abandon the fort on December 10th, and rarely sent patrols farther than a mile outside the fort when they occupied it. Legends of her walk would change over the years. Some said she took a cow with her as an excuse to leave the property, while another says she went barefoot to warn the troops. Secord herself would say, I left early in the morning, now it's unlikely she left without slippers, although she may have lost a slipper during the walk. Without Seacord it is likely the Americans would have had a deeper foothold in Canada and the shape of Canada would have changed forever. Carl Benz speaks about her impact on the war.
1: Well, um, she provide, her main impact was she provided uh, intelligence to British forces um, of an impending American surprise attack on an important position which, uh, along with other intelligence, allowed them to prepare to ambush the Americans and thereby win the Battle of um, Beaver Dams, uh, which was critical. It uh, not only prevented the Americans from knocking out an important British position and achieving a victory, but also took the, the fight out of the Americans. Um, they um, had captured Fort George at the mouth of the Niagara River in May 1813, on half, um, which would have been devastating for southwestern um, Upper Canada and for indigenous allies in Michigan and related areas. Um, and then they advanced inland against the British who had retreated to Burlington Heights, which is where Hamilton is today. Um, they were defeated at uh, Stony Creek, and then they were forced back to Fort George um, through efforts by Native people and Royal Navy. But then they decided to try and break out a little bit, and the Battle of Beaver Dams um, was the consequence. And as a result, we just don't see the Americans taking the initiative um, afterwards to this rest of the summer of 1813 on the Niagara Front. Um, with the result that Upper Canada wasn't cut in half, and uh, the Americans, although they held Fort George until December 1813, uh, were never able to take advantage of their initial success. So her intelligence was fundamental to that victory, which had a big kind of domino impact. She's done other things too. Of course, she rescued her husband from the battle, um, after he had been wounded um, um,
0: and brought him back home. Following the War of 1812, the Secord store was in ruins and the family was deep in poverty with only a small war pension and the rent of their 200 acres of land to support them. In 1815, a sixth child was born, followed by another in 1817. In 1827, James petitioned the government for employment, but Lieutenant Governor Peregrine Maitland instead offered Laura the chance to be in charge of the soon-to-be-finished Brock's Monument. She did accept after a period of time, and the monument was completed in 1831, and Secord found out that John Colborne, the new Lieutenant Governor, was going to give the charge of the monument to another person. Secord petitioned Colborne to honour the original promise and she included a certificate from Fitzgibbon attesting to her contribution during the war. Despite her pleas, she would not get the charge of the monument. Things did begin to improve in 1828 when James became the Registrar of the Niagara Surrogate Court. In 1833, he became a judge and then a customs collector in 1835. Carl Benn now regarding her life after the war.
1: Um, After the war, they were living quite modest, um, perhaps impoverished lives until he got government appointments um, in the late 1820s, um, which gave him a better quality of life until he died, um, which I think was the beginning of the 1840s, and then afterwards, again, she found life very difficult financially um, until she began to get some fame in the 1860s after the Prince of Wales visited. Prince of Wales was In
0: 1841, James would die from a stroke and was buried at Drummond Hill. The death of James left Laura without any money since her war pension had ended. She sought to have her son take over James' custom position, but this was denied, as was a request for a pension for herself. Secord would live with her daughter Harriet and her grandchildren in a home on Water Street, and would teach school out of her home in an effort to support herself. The Secords continually petitioned the government to acknowledge the efforts of Seacord in the War of 1812, but they were unsuccessful. In 1860, when Secord was 85, the Prince of Wales visited Canada and found out about her story and that she was now an aging widow. He would send her £100, worth £12,239 today. The gift would be the only recognition Secord would receive in her entire life for what she did in June of 1813 she would die in 1868 at the age of 93. In regards to the recognition she was not receiving, Carl Ben speaks. Um, well, most of the,
1: the, um, stories were written about her post date her demise, but, um, there was awareness beforehand. Um, you know, she petitioned for, um, for, uh, uh, pensions from the government and those documents were around. And, um, When the Prince of Wales visited Canada in 1860, he met her, um, and uh, her story sort of came to to light, Um, and then he gave her a a reward, I think it was 100 pounds. Um, So the story um, kind of got out of the public during the last decade or so of her life, and she died in 1868. Um, And I think, too, she was caretaker of um, Brock's Monument at Cleason Heights. That was a kind of an attempt by a government with very limited means to provide her some sort of income in recognition of her warm 1812
0: service. On her grave marker it says, To perpetuate the name and fame of Laura Secord, who walked alone 20 miles by a difficult and perilous route, through woods and swamps and over miry roads, to warn a British outpost at Tecuse Falls of an intended attack, and thereby enable Lieutenant Fitzgibbon on June 24th 1813, with fewer than fifty men of the H.M. 49th Regiment, about fifteen militiamen, and a small force of Six Nations and other Indians under Captain William Johnson Keir and Dominic Ducharme, to surprise and attack the enemy at Beaver Dams, and after a short engagement to capture Colonel Bosler of the U.S. Army and his entire force of 542 men with two field pieces. In her life, Secord would write two accounts of her walk. One was in 1853 and another in 1861, but neither account contains much in the way of details. Following her death the story of Secord would begin to gain traction in the 1880s when upper class women sought to strengthen their emotional ties between Canadian women and the British Empire. A drama called Laura Secord, the heroine of 1812 would be written in 1887 and this play would result in many articles and entries in Canadian histories and textbooks going into the 20th century. The play, while it did get negative reviews, was the first full work of Secord's story and would help to spread her story. Women pushing for women's suffrage also began to use Secord's story as part of their message as to why women deserve the right to vote and equal rights. In 1900, the story of Laura Secord was written by Emma Curry and she would petition to have a Secord memorial erected in Queenston Heights. The statue was dedicated in 1901 and stands at 7 feet tall. In 1905. Secord's portrait would hang in Parliament. In 1913, the centennial of the walk, Laura Secord Chocolates would be founded by Frank O'Connor. The first store would be located on a young and Elm Street in Toronto. The chocolates were packaged in a box with an image of Secord on it. By the 1970s the company was the largest candy retailer in Canada and the name Laura Secord would become known more for the chocolates than her walk. The company states her name was chosen because she was an icon of courage, devotion and loyalty. Carl Benz speaks about the recognition she received after her death.
1: i think been a number of reasons. I think the chocolate fact company is, in fact, important. It, it um, began work in, in production in 1912, I think, so they're looking for a war of 1812 centennial angle, um, and they picked Laura Secord, which makes sense, being female and marketing chocolates and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I think she became known that way. Um, but also, another thing that works is, the fact, she is female. We don't have a lot of um, clearly, easily identified female uh, heroines in the War of 1812. Um, Third, it's a story that's easy to grasp. You know, it's a clear, uh, great story. This woman hears the American plans, heads off into the bush um, and is a curious route to warn the British and the Native forces and then there's a significant victory afterwards. It's a nice, clear, easy-to-be understood story. Um, And the War of 1812 was very prominent in Canadian uh, history um, through the 19th century into the early 20th. Of course, the two world wars um, overshadowed it, but it became one of the founding core stories in the history of Canada. And of course, it is an important story because, of course, had the British and the Canadians Canadians not defended Canada successfully, uh, Canada would not exist today.
0: Today, the Secord's homestead is now part of the Niagara Parks Commission and has a museum and gift shop there. Several schools are named for Laura Secord, and in 1992, Canada Post issued a Laura Secord commemorative stamp. In 2003, Seacord was declared a person of National Historic Significance, and in 2006, she was one of the 14 statues dedicated in the Valiance Memorial in Ottawa. In 2013, the 200th anniversary of her walk, her image was put on a quarter issued by the Royal Canadian Mint and a postage stamp was made by Canada Post. Information comes from Wikipedia, Canadian Encyclopedia, and the War of 1812ca I hope you enjoyed this episode of Canadian History X, and if you did, please give a rating and review. Again, you can support the podcast at Patreon by going to patreon.com slash CanadaX, and you can email any questions or ideas you have at canadianhistoryx at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.